okay, I'm showing up for work. There's tasks that we're agreeing to get done. Human time can almost be an impediment to that. I'm like, like I feel that sometimes. I'm like, oh, I don't like, let's just get on and talk about the plan for the spring campaign, you know, when really what my heart wants is deep human connection. Yeah. But like, because it's this interesting line where some people are just showing up to the table because it's meaningful work and they're getting a paycheck, right? Some people are showing up to be all of themselves, but it's a dance again. And so I find myself sometimes being like, I I don't want to take 10 out of these 50. We only have 50 minutes together. I don't want to take 10 to right. like be human with each other. Yeah. And that's a story because deep down, all I want to do is be human with that person because that's what's real and not the goal we're accomplishing. Welcome everybody to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prebo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Welcome everybody to this episode of the Challenges of Workplace Relationships. And I have a conversation with a returning guest, Thomas Duchin. Those of you that might have missed a couple episodes that Thomas and I did, go ahead and check them out. One is generosity, contemplating how we show up in our relationships. That was just this past January. And the other one that we did, the relationship of business through the lens of giving. And that was back in December of 2019. In this episode, we talk about the challenge of bringing in our humanness to others in the workplace. And we talk about a range of different topics, including age differences, the differences of hierarchy of position. Uh, we also tell stories. I tell stories of different relationships that I've developed in the workplace. You know, work relationships, they're fragile in some sense. You know, people just sometimes purely accidental. The nature of a work environment is that people are thrown together at random and told to work together. And while, you know, workers may share some characteristics like the profession itself, there's a good chance that the profession may be the only trait in common. Sometimes there's differences in backgrounds and cultures and temperament and other important factors that can be different than personal and family relationships. And you know, another factor that can make workplace relationships challenging is the fact that many of the relationships are not between equals. Rank and position can make for some challenging issues in the workplace. Yeah, workplace relationships, they're unique. So before we get on to the episode, I wanna tell you a little bit more about Thomas and you can check out more about him on the show notes. But Thomas is a recent friend of mine. We developed a very good relationship this past year. He moved into my neighborhood and I'm really enjoying cultivating this relationship with Thomas. In his work life, he is the CEO of Daymaker. And Daymaker helps employees connect deeper with their community, their team, and themselves through intentional acts of giving and service. Daymaker is here to energize love in our world by facilitating acts of giving and service for employees and their companies. 
Their present platform enables givers to read about specific under-resourced children in their community and buy them real items from a unique tailored wish list. And through this experience, Daymaker hopes to bring givers closer to those they are serving and closer to those around them and inspire them to explore the feelings of depth, aliveness, and connection accessible through giving. Speaking about giving, I want to give a shout out to Loris and to Rhonda, who has recently given to support my podcast. So thank you both very much. And if you are inclined to give and support the podcast, a financial donation, you can go to my website, heartsharecounseling.com, click on support the podcast page, click on the button that will send you to the page to make a donation. It is all greatly appreciated. Okay, everybody. So here we go. The challenges of workplace relationships. Let's talk about it. All right. Sweet brother, man. Thanks for spending a a sweet Sunday afternoon coming up. We had some Danish cinnamon sticky buns or whatever they call it. You had a a few in your stomach right now, so I... A few is a really kind way of saying six to seven <laughs> um, cinnamon roll buns. Yeah. So you're full of sweetness right now. I am full of sweetness. Yeah. Um, right now it's sweet. It might turn downhill in 40 to 60 <laughs> minutes, so hopefully we get the sweetness. Nice. So we thought we would explore, I uh, haven't heard some of your experience from your Daymaker offsite retreat and as we were kind of talking a little bit about how that kind of fits into boy every day that we're working with people some of it is by choice and other times it's a little bit by default the relationships that we have just because we're working with other people we're in a company and corporations that we might not always choose the people that we're working with and sometimes since we're already there how do we make these connections and fully show up and being the best of ourselves. So I'm, I'm just curious of anything come out in that energy during that, that offsite that you had with, with your company Daymaker. You said something there that really sparked something for me and it may be a different direction than I anticipated. I had some premeditated talking points to be a good guest. Something that I notice sometimes is a value misalignment. And so we talk about honesty, right? And we're working right now at Daymaker on how, so we've just developed this thing we're calling our ways of being. And it's kind of these principles for how we want to accomplish what we're accomplishing. And not your tactical goal-oriented objectives, more of like, how are we to our customers? How are we to the tax person? How are we to each other? You know, Who do we want to be in this creation? And something that we're actually talking about on tomorrow's like vision call is how do we share honest feedback? And so for me, I'm like, look, if anybody's out of order with these ways of being right away, I think like that should be a conversation, right? And it has nothing to do with management levels. Mm. Somebody that's reporting to me could have that conversation with me. The team isn't completely there. Some people are like, wait, I I don't want to be having two to three deeply honest and raw conversations that I'm not showing up in authenticity or I'm not showing up to be generous. I don't come to work for you to challenge me on my generosity, you know? Yeah, give me a task and tell me what to do and that's why I show up. Don't Exactly. Don't challenge me to be a person in some way. Right. And 
and I'm also like little, uh, embodying a little bit of a extreme stereotype here. So this conversation is like meaty. I don't think anybody at Daymaker is saying, I don't want any feedback. Right. Again, because there's a filter that brings people in to go work on something like Daymaker. But there is, I'm aware of that, you know? And there's these things where for me to have an enjoyable day at Daymaker, I want it to be like from my heart. I want it to be soft. I want it to be slow. I want it to be real. And there's a lot of people for good reason that might not want their nine to five to be like that, you know? And right now we're taking a lot of time in our like day to day to zoom out, to talk about our ways of being, to talk about our aim, to talk about our North Star. In some ways, somebody could say like counter to our day-to-day productivity, you know, like this is all coming at a cost of getting tasks done, adding new customers, engaging those customers. But for me, I'm like, no, Daymaker's got to embody this stuff, you know? Mm. And for others, they might not feel that way. And so they're like, there's a misalignment there. And the honesty piece that you mentioned is a big piece of that, you know? And so I don't know exactly what to do with that. And then it's also complicated from a position of leadership because you do have the ability to impose your desire for that onto somebody else. And what I ask myself now is, okay, but how am I serving that person? You know, maybe it doesn't make sense to like rip off their skin and say, hey, we're going to be incredibly vulnerable with each other in this environment. And so what is the way to serve them while still embodying the essence of Daymaker or for me without living contrary to my values? And we even have this joke that's developed on um, our Daymaker calls recently where somebody will ask me like, how are you doing? And just where I am in life right now, if somebody asks me that, like I close my eyes for a second, I breathe and I want to give an honest answer because well is not the answer 95% of the time. Yeah, you know? That's the biggest lie people tell four times a day. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's this joke that's developed that's like, okay, if we're going to ask Thomas how he is, we better be fine with three to seven minutes. <laughs> and that's good. And about one minute of that is silent breathing. <laughs> <laughs> well, so there's a recognition there of this is a way that we honor Thomas. And if we're not if we're not ready to actually listen to something and receive something, let's not ask that question. So maybe that is a step in a good direction. If I've never asked how I am, I think at some point I would start to close off and not feel seen in that environment. So yeah, there's a lot there. Yeah. It was interesting when you brought up about a little bit of that hierarchy, how that shows up, like a leadership or a boss can sometimes dictate some things or, you know, I just remember by default people, just a different side of their personality comes up. Oh, I can't act this way around a leader or a boss and so forth. I remember that really shifted in my, in my mind's eye when uh, it was one of my first jobs in, in the corporate world and I was like in around 25 and we had uh, season tickets to the Detroit Pistons basketball. And me and my boss, the owner of the company, we were going out to a game. And I think maybe we were meeting clients. These we, are the Rashid Wallace days? N- those were what? No, no. This is like Isaiah Thomas, the oh. bad boys days. It was the bad boys days. You know, <laughs> when, they, when they were winning the, the first championships back in like late 80s. Forgot that you're you're older than your youth. And That's your right. Shows. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Bad boys days. <laughs> And uh, we met at a restaurant before. So after the game, we came back to my car because my car was dropped off there. And it had snowed a couple inches. And I remember, you know, I got out, said goodbye, got out to, to wipe all the snow off. And he got out of his car and he was wiping off the snow, you know, with me. And there was just something about the sincerity of him doing that. Mm. It was like, he could have just like dropped me off and just left. 
all of a sudden, just based on that experience that I had two minutes of my boss helping me wipe off my snow, he was no longer my boss. He was just uh, a friendly dude helping me wipe off my uh, the snow off of my car. My relationship shifted and changed. I saw the sincerity of his care for me and the way that I acted towards him opened up to more care. And we actually, we were the only ones that had motorcycles in, uh, in, in the company that, that I work for. And he asked me to go uh, on a Sunday, you know, for a motorcycle um, drive together. And, and some relationship formed, but it formed more purposeful, actually based on a kind act, mm. than I'm gonna go ahead and create this relationship so I can get good with my boss and try to weasel some aspect in and sideways. So that just, that memory just came up about how um, by default to be with this person changed into I wanted to be with this person I saw a different side of him and I wanted to open that and expand that and we actually we actually did so I want to give a shout out to Mike Schlitt yeah he was my boss from when I was 24 to 26 and he actually recently contacted me after 25 years of not speaking at all to one another and he's retired and he's a professional photographer, a great photographer. So shout out to you, Mike. I'm taken to the flip side of that there, right? Perhaps the cinnamon buns are transitioning from <laughs> sweetness to darkness. <laughs> the dynamic where you don't necessarily feel alignment, but as a superior, there is a desire to like make that person feel seen and connected and their employee satisfaction score. For us, we're not measuring employee satisfaction tangibly, like it's going on Glassdoor, but like we're feeling it every day. And so it's where do you like draw the line? And I'm experiencing this some at times between friendship and the work relationship, you know, because there are sometimes, and it's not a lack of desire, but maybe it's just like a lack of space, you know? There might be like a lack of spaciousness for a lot of new relationships. And so the flip side of that is where are you able to be kind and do the thing that feels good while also drawing the line. Um, and I'm not exactly sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, it's a great dance to, you know, to have that. How do you have the aspect of essence of a friendship, but really know that also in the workplace, there at times is a hierarchy of decision-making of direction. How do you give that respect um, over to whatever hierarchy that is, but still maintain some sort of that if that's the route that you're going to go or some people say no you know we're not going to cross over in those in those boundaries and then there's you know some of the i don't know i don't want to call it the clicks of the workplace where people that are in position they they maintain more friendships right than they would thinking about their leaders or their bosses or superiors and it's a lot easier in some way that because we're on the same uh, position wavelength that we become friends. And I also want to mention a deep lasting relationship with a colleague that I had in my first company. And perhaps it was because we were of the same age and we were in the same peer group. We were both account managers and we developed a very deep friendship. So I want to give a shout out to Matt Didio. What's up, Mateo? <laughs> yeah, we were, we were close were colleagues and in our personal life we hung out a lot we traveled to europe and and we're still friends after 30 years 
you know, even though we live in different parts of the country, he in Detroit and me in North Carolina. So I know some of the basis of that uh, friendship was because of the commonalities that we had. And I think that that's, that's an interesting play because it's also the seed that you and I talked about here. We're almost, uh, almost 30 years and damn man, fucking 30 years difference, you know, in our age. But there's so many times that I don't even think about that aspect of a barrier. Do people do that also in the workplace of thinking, oh, I'm going to, I'm not going to think about the barrier of you have been in the company 30 years or you have two wrongs position of management higher than me. Mm. How do we actually just be really just human beings sharing experience with a common goal of a purpose? The human being thing really resonates there because the, with the dominant story, right? The way that we're taught is, well, Prepo was 30 years on me. And if we were in a work context, Prepo has been at the company a long time. Prepo knows how it's done. Look at Prepo's resume. I mean, he is like, he is successful, you know? And oh, wow, I'm so much lower than Prepo. I have a long way to go before I can ever understand what Prepo understands. And the second that is set, I have been like impeded from truth coming yeah. out. I'm impeded from like, wait, but I have this feeling and the feeling is is that we maybe actually want to try this thing and that's beautiful and it doesn't come from my mind or having 30 years of industry experience. It actually just comes from my humanness. But I think so often we're taught not to express that, you know, and I actually think almost always in the corporate environment, if I look at like peers that are in a very traditional advertising or the media world or healthcare, right? Um, I don't have many friends in any of those, but the stories that I have of peers are that you sit down in a boardroom and like your mouth is shut the whole time and you mm. probably have the best idea in there because you haven't been there for 25 years, but there's this hierarchy at play and this, this limiting of being human, right? So that's happening on one end, but at the other end of the spectrum is, um, okay, this is good. Because we're not choosing the people we work with, we almost have to, at least the idea is we almost have to put a little bit of a barrier or a container around what it means to be there. So you and I are friends, right? We don't have a container around what it means to be friends. We just show up and we ebb and we flow. We're feeling each other out. Hey, this feels good. This doesn't feel good. I actually want alone time today. Let's not talk on the walk. But in the context of work, because you're not doing all of that, there almost has to be a little bit of like a buttoning up and okay, we're not gonna go there on these topics. We need to impede some of the humanness because I don't know if our humanness aligns fully. And so it is funny, because I just said on one end of the spectrum, limiting the humanness is limiting the productivity, the creativity, the output of a person, right? Because like, let them be, let them come alive. Mm -hmm. And then on the other end though, and something that I experience is, like, I don't know if I signed up for all of your humanness, you know, like this mm. isn't jiving with, there's nothing wrong, but maybe it just isn't fitting where I am in life, you know, like I'm really slow and soft and tender and that's where my friendships are. And you in the workplace are like, boom, 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 always asking questions and I don't know how to respond. And so I don't know where that line is. Yeah. yeah. What about the line where, I mean, you're, you're a CEO of your, your company and I would imagine in some way, that you're younger than some people that you interact with, whether it's within your company or your customer base. I mean, what what is that just in itself for you of, of uh, you might not choose to hang out with those people, even just because of some of the unsaid barriers that come of like, oh, you know, this, this young witty guy, you know, he's, he's our boss, but you know, maybe, because I think he's young, I, I think that I have better ideas than him, or vice versa. 
anything of that show up in? So what I can speak to is my experience. And sometimes I, especially when we, I mean, we started this when we were 19, right? And we had our first employees when I was 21, huge imposter syndrome, Hmm. you know, like having to pretend that we were big and we knew what we were talking about. As that kind of faded, and where I think I am now that isn't fantastic is like over-justifying, being over-empathetic, because I recognize that there's like a, there's a hierarchy there, you know, and the people that have worked for us have come from like really the White House, managing a $200 million line at Clorox, like these people that know what they're doing. And I'm sitting there and being like, well, my heart's telling me for you to scratch all of those marketing ideas because that's super old story. Mm -hmm. And like, we want to try something completely different. But then I, like I overextend to make that point. Right. Um, So the age thing shows up for sure. I think where it's been a strong suit, where it's played out well is I've never been able to pretend well that I know from like an intellectual Harvard Business School level why we're making the decisions we make. And so I can come back to like, this feels good in my heart, you know, Mm. and we'll sit across from a client and I'm not pretending to talk the game, right? But hopefully there's a level of authenticity there. Like, oh, he believes this, you know? Um, It's there though, yeah. And there's also definitely an interesting thread that you just brought up, which I would turn to you, which is with a client, right? For our customers, you sit across from somebody and they're either paying you or they're doing something for you. And so it's like, what is right relationship there? Because there's an exchange happening. Mm -hmm. And are you overcompensating? Are you being somebody other than yourself? Because... That yeah. person is asking, or you need something from that person. Yeah, I think it, there's some overcompensation because my role is to take care of that person, not for them to take care of me. Right. So in, innately, I know I'm not going to get something from that person. I'm not going to expect them to really understand where I'm coming from. I've got to be in sometimes teacher mode in that way. You know, if they say something or interrupt me in some way, I have to bring to their attention. We're in relationship here, even though it's not a friendship because our relationship is a microcosm of your relationship outside the room. Mm. So I might bring attention to them of like, well, did you notice that I had, maybe I had some feelings about what you said. And so there's more of that role for me to do, you know, in my work. And I think that that's just unique with the power differentiation of, of a therapeutic relationship. Mm. But I was, I was, when you were talking, I had this flashback of when I was in the corporate world and my first job and I was in my early 20s, mid 20s. And there was an older guy who must have been, uh, maybe was in his 60s. And he was this gruffy older guy, um, Ebenezer, Ebby. And um, I can say a lot about Ebby because Ebby passed away about 10 years ago. And he was a paint supervisor in, in the automotive industry that we were. He was an expert on automotive paint. But he was gruffy. And he would joke a lot. And he would just really go back and forth with the young people a lot. And I just really loved hanging out with Ebby. And I really felt like he's one of me. He would swear. He would do lines of Coke where I didn't do Coke. And I was like, man, Ebby, like, you're just like, too <laughs> wild for me. But when I quit that job, he was living in, in England at the time. And when I was traveling, took a around the world trip and I was heading to England, he was the first guy that I contacted to want to hang out. And he took two weeks off and we got in the car and drove up to Scotland for two weeks and he's snoring on the on the couch and sleeping in B and B's that we were doing and 
And it was just this really interesting aspect of not choosing that relationship, but really jiving in that relationship with this difference of, of hierarchy or age hierarchy. And yet that flowed as opposed to some other guy that didn't flow. So for me, there's an interesting aspect of flowing with people in, in the workplace that have this humanness that we can still do our job, do our thing, but we can bond and connect around so many other things. And that just comes up for me when I think about Evie because I, he was a character and there was something about somebody who's a real character that brings their own uniqueness and you can work around that in a work environment. So, In that way, everyone we're working with is a teacher in some form, you know? So Evie was a teacher that brought you a lot of joy. Yeah. And then there's the people maybe that don't bring us a lot of joy and that are a challenge, but because there is this defaulting of some agency to show up at that workplace every day and be with that person, like there is some gift there, you know? Yeah. There is something for them because all of our stuff's our own reaction and so we're only reacting to their stuff. Mm-hmm. So there is an opportunity to work through something where with a friend you might be like, ah, not that aligned, I'm backing out. And maybe mm-hmm. you miss the opportunity for the diamond to like enter the heat and be transformed. Yeah. Um, and so in that way, like the people that show up are gifts. It can just be really tough because you're there for nine yeah, or 10 or 11 hours. hours, you know? And so um, at some point you become that environment. And I think that for me is why, especially as I think about Daymaker and how we reoriented, which we talk about some in our first podcast together, is like, look, I'm being shaped by this thing and I can't show up to a place for nine hours a day that is thinking about profit as its end, that is thinking about scale for the sake of scale because I'm becoming those things. Like I'm finding myself enjoying the present moment less because all we talk about is what we're gonna be in four years. And so this has to be a place that is moving me into deeper alignment with self each and every day. And also the people that are in there are like our teachers, you know? I don't experience as much of the focus and the feeding of the positivity of working through some aspects of interpersonal conflict at work. I think it's so important to hear you saying we're with somebody eight, nine hours a day, and there are a lot of conflicts that come up with coworkers. We feel very vested in it, but we don't usually bring the same skills of relationship conflict resolution and transformation that we might do in an interpersonal relationship. We don't, you know, say, hey, I just want to tell you, like, what you just said really hurt. We don't say that usually in the workplace. Right. But when I know that I've done that in the, in the past and taken that risk, the humanness of that mm-hmm. really can be transformed. And the people that don't want to play with me in that arena, okay, at least I know that maybe that's it, as mm-hmm. opposed to trying that out. And I'd put out to people, because I deal with, people that are coming to therapy with their work challenges around that. And I say, hey, have you tried like mm. being a human being and working out your conflict like mm. you might with other people in your life that's mm. outside of work? And people are kind of like, no, I don't, I don't think that I really want to vest that much time or effort. I'm like, are you kidding me? Vest that time and much effort? you with this person nine hours yeah. a day. It's almost more important than the friendship you see once yeah. a week. And I don't know if that's also the fear of what could come up if that doesn't work out, meaning mm. the fear of losing a job is the same of like losing a friendship or losing a a committed relationship. But I think people are less apt to take that risk at work. Well, I remember a transformational process of taking that risk at work was when I was living at Esalen and we were in these work groups at Esalen, the retreat center, a human potential learning center in Big Sur, California, 
there was a staff that had work groups. We were either in the office or the garden or the kitchen or cabins or office staff. And for instance, on Wednesday afternoons for two hours, we would take a break from work and we had what was called a work process. And that would be led by a trained conflict facilitator to help people move through personal and interpersonal conflicts that was coming up during the work week. And those conflicts would affect the individuals as well as the group. So there was a weekly clearing, so to speak, that greatly benefited the people in the work group because it promoted communication. Everyone got a chance to speak and the opportunity to work out the issues at hand. Boy, can you imagine how transformational that can be and how it can improve the climate of the employee relationships in a work group and to show up in our full humanness? So what what you're saying that I think is so spot on is like we actually don't show up with our full humanness. So we started this conversation and I'm saying, well, I want to be fully human and there's people that I can't be fully human with, our clients or our employees, and here's the reasons why, but I'm actually not showing up with my full humanness, you know? And maybe if I did, it's an invitation for somebody else to show up. Because all I can do is say, this is Thomas. And the days that are better for Thomas are the days that Thomas is in more congruence with self, right? is becoming more from my soul, more from my heart, more from my humanness, right? And so each day at work is in theory an opportunity to do just that. Mm -hmm. um, and there's so many reasons why I don't and so many stories that I tell of why I don't necessarily do that, where I put on a mask or I pretend to be something I'm not. And they make sense, right? Like we're told to climb the corporate ladder, we have to play a certain game and be a certain thing and know how to say the right thing at the right time. All of those stories are telling us to be something other than ourselves. Right. Are telling us not to show up as we are, right? In the environment, which says, if somebody says something to you, you look at them and be like, hmm, yeah, that just, that makes me feel like a lot of fear in my body. I actually, I don't feel great about moving forward under that plan because it means not trusting somebody, right? Right. We don't do that, you know? Um, because in the way we've been taught is truth is not the way to climb. To play the game is the way to climb. That's and right. often playing the game is pretty counter to truth. Mm-hmm. Usually it's sometimes external circumstances that put us in truth instead of like an intrinsic value that we have that want to be in truth. You know, sometimes I play this little game, like if I'm on a bus or an airplane thinking, all right, if it goes down or we're hijacked, these are the freaking people that I'm going to be with. Like, you know, whether we're held hostage for like a month or whatever, can I, can I actually jive with these people that are next to me? And, and I think in an external circumstance like that, I probably will. Mm. Did I ever do that a little bit when I thought about people at work? Did I think about, wow, if I was only sequestered with these people, this management group, could I really, really get along with them and be really truthful? And I think that's where some sometimes doing some of the off-site things are, are, are so enriching and so important. And not just the typical, I can't remember what was that called, like the ropes climbing or whatever yeah. they did, you know, in leadership and as we used to call it in our last job I had, it's called a boogie. And what that was, was in the project management group, when we landed a $20 million job or more, we called a boogie. And it was basically the eight project managers and the, and the CFO and the CEO, the guy that landed it had to arrange three to five days somewhere in the world, could be Costa Rica, could be something else, that was a really cool three days. It would come out of this budget 
just so that the guys would and women we had a few women in there to yeah, <laughs> the I, got, I got through uh, the old days yeah it was like way more weighted male management that we would have to get along on a personal mm. relationship in a very very relaxed way sometimes it was way too much partying but that really carried over very differently in the workplace and i'm just wondering how to do that without having to do some extravagant bullshit like we did and to be able to automatically know i'm coming to this day and these are the people that right now are just like the most important people to me because they're right in front of me yeah. and i think that's like a spiritual sense that if we have you are the most important person right now in my my world my client at this moment is the most important person in my world because you're right in front of me yeah it also leads me to feel that identifying shared values and choosing to uphold the other and living those values is a great way to do that. You know, everyone has shared values. There's commonality, and especially if it's a client sitting across from you that is in therapy because they want to be in therapy and understand self better, right? Or if it's somebody in the daymaker world who's showing up because they believe in the goodness in our hearts, find those shared values and build around those, right? And so for something like a daymaker, generosity. Like I think everyone is pretty keen on what it means mm -hmm. to be generous. So cool, let's be generous to each other. And if we're not doing that, we have permission to call that out. I think where it can get tricky is that we're all living different paths. We're all living different lives. And not everybody like wants to work on themselves. Not yeah. everybody wants to be self-aware to their stuff. And I think that's where sometimes yeah. I hit an impediment, you know? I'm like, wait, we're just playing on a different level here. Yeah. Not that one level is better than the other, but like the paradigm that is different is like, I'm here to like grow. I got all my stuff. I'm perfect on one level on another level. I'm as imperfect as you can be, right? And this, this journey is about living into some of that perfection, remembering some of that perfection. So that shapes how I hope most of my personal relationships are, which are like, hey, this is a mutual discovery of life. That's how I feel about ours. Like we're, we're mutually discovering life together, you know? And I would hope at any point you would look at me and say, Thomas, this is how I'm experiencing you. You know, I'm not experiencing you to be a good listener right now. I'm not experiencing you to be soft or tender um, or even saying, I need you to be soft and tender. Sometimes though, when I'm with people, I'm like, that's not there, you know? And that's where I struggle. And I actually mm -hmm. have judgments and stories around that. And as I say that, I'm like, that's an opportunity to serve and to love somebody exactly where they are and how yeah. they are. Yeah, if you're coming from that place, but somebody in the workplace is coming from, look, I'm just showing up just to get a paycheck, man. Yeah. Like, I don't want to have to tell you like how I am during the day. Yeah. I just want, just tell me what I, my task is. Yeah. How can you be with just that person? Yeah. Or it's incredibly defensive on feedback because they have this really rigid, hard view of themselves and aren't willing to kind of let that go, which I also have that too. So it's not like I'm evolved beyond that, but there is a delicate balance that I've even realized with some of our team members I've had to taper down vulnerability because they weren't receiving it in the way that like a friend would, mm. you know? Um, they would ask me how I was and I'd want to give an honest answer. Then that would be received as like, oh, we can't bother Thomas today. And I'm like, no, you missed it. Like I'm still showing up for Daymaker. I also just want to let you know this is what's going on outside of Daymaker. So yeah, it's a dance, you know, it's a dance. And it's actually a really, there's a lot here. And I'm gonna, I'm excited to sit with some of this because I don't, I'm presently at a point where I'm I'm thinking about like there are some relationships in the context of work that are really aligned, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm yeah. like, oh, that's I would spend weekends and weekends and weekends and trips and trips and trips, and there's others where I'm like, ah, oh, pretty consistently we we get on a call together, 
and I leave feeling like we're not totally on the same page. And then also an interesting thread in that is remote work. So much is done via like Slack, Messenger, right? Right. And so, so much doesn't have the face-to-face and there's a lot of room for something to go wrong there. And so we try, we're doing our best to like hop on video if it's anything that needs discussion. So there isn't that room for misinterpretation, but we can have a story about someone and then everything they type fits into that story and we're really limiting them from being their full selves. That is funny. I was just thinking that, you know, I use Slack for my podcast production and I just was going through some of my threads and I say the same shit sometimes to people, you know, I'm like, hey, wonderful editing, awesome. You did it exactly what I wanted. Thanks. That's it. You know? And then, I look at the next podcast and it's like so similar, you know, I'm like, wow, how are they thinking of me in, in some contents? Hopefully, you know, my production team, they get to listen to my podcast so they get another hit about yeah. me. But some of my interactions just because of the medium yeah. is that way. I wish, and maybe there's a, a way to do this, but I wish that I can use, I'm an audio guy. Yeah. So I wish I could use more audio in that way. You and I, I love when we leave our little yeah. voice messages to yeah. each other and I message, but there is something in that. And mm working remote, what came up for me was, wow, my capacity is also, I have 50 minute slots or 75 minute slots to interact and that's it. You know, I don't interact with people consistently throughout the day. It's like, okay, then another person comes in and another person comes in. I don't have coworkers that I'm doing it. So in some way that like my cancer shell kind of works in that way where I get to be a little bit secluded and that kind of works for me then working in a larger group setting. I think also when you're secluded like that, it becomes goal-oriented. At least for me, it becomes goal-oriented. So, okay, I'm showing up for work. There's tasks that we're agreeing to get done. Human time can almost be an impediment to that. I'm like, like I feel that sometimes. I'm like, oh, I don't... Like, let's just get on and talk about the plan for the spring campaign, you know, when really what my heart wants is deep human connection. But like, because it's this interesting line where some people are just showing up to the table because it's meaningful work and they're getting a paycheck, right? Some people are showing up to be all of themselves, but it's a dance again. And so I find myself sometimes being like, I I don't want to take 10 out of these 50. We only have 50 minutes together. I don't want to take 10 to like be human with each other. And that's a story because deep down, all I want to do is be human with that person because that's what's real and not the goal we're accomplishing. But when you and I sit down, we're human with each other because we're choosing to sit down with each other, you know? And that can be a little bit different if you're not necessarily choosing, which prompted this conversation, choosing the person that's sitting across from you. I thought about this flashback of when I would be traveling with coworkers and Maybe we would fly in somewhere at seven, eight o'clock and we may, maybe meet for a drink or dinner and have some of the personal things or go over what the meeting's going to be tomorrow. And I sometimes now think back about some of these people I was with, how I was not so personal with them. I don't think I was. And I would really like to sit with them right now. Like sometimes I bumped into an uh, engineer that I used to work with 25 years later. I bumped into him in the airport, you know, and like sat down with him on the airplane and just shot the shit of who we are today. He was more similar than he was back then. I really changed a lot. And I just remember like pouring my heart out in some ways. And I wish if I can go back that I was more of that, that humanness, but what would I get done is is an interesting aspect. Would I have gotten more productivity, efficiency done out of that or just less? In and, some way. and what is doing versus being, right? Like yeah. the world of doing, 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 and the daymaker we're trying to get out of that and just be generous, right? Yeah. Um, something that really hit there is I'm realizing that, so 
when you pour your heart out to somebody, you really share your values. Like this is Thomas beneath the skin. This is Prepo beneath the skin. You do that with somebody and it's a stranger and it's not well received. There's a little bit of hurt and it's like, okay, I carry on. You do that with somebody you see consistently and it's like, ah, you know, like I remember that time I really opened up and it just like wasn't received. Mm. And that sticks, you know, that right. like hurts. And then you're really scared to go there again. Yeah. So I think that that is something I'm aware of that I do sometimes too. Right. I'm like, I don't, I'm afraid that you're not going to hold the space. And when I share this, like it's going to come back and it's just going to hurt. Like yeah. you're not going to have heard what I said, you know? And so sometimes it's easier just to stay closed off and to open at the risk of hurting. What I would say to that, what Mark Nepo would say to that is like, you just always open, turn towards everything, right? And like, let it hurt when they don't respond well and trust that that was a gift and that you can hold yourself in that, right? Mm. Don't walk around closed off because you don't think somebody can hold what you have. Yeah, The truth is always the truth. Like, just let it pour out of you and trust exactly what comes back. But it's also interesting, like, talk about, I think this is really, really fascinating for people in their early to mid to late 20s career-wise because you're changing so much as a person. Yeah, You're figuring out who you are in the world, how you are in the world. So somebody like me has been with, like I think about our COO, Gazelle, who is in her 40s. And we've had a relationship for five years, right? And I am so different than I was five years ago. And so you're also changing with these people. And they're like, wait, but a year and a half ago, like this was who you were. And I'm like, ah, oh, but that just, I'm not, I am not that anymore. You know, that doesn't resonate with me anymore. And so there's a lot of change that happens too. And that can be an opportunity and also a challenge. In uh, another podcast I did with um, my ex boss, CEO of uh, the last company that I work with, and his name is Bill Morian. And the podcast is titled Trust and Company Culture that aired last April 2019. It was a really beautiful transition of really loving working with them, having a personal relationship when we worked, and then transformation that I took place of not working mm -hmm. and more self-discovery, and then us re-upping our connection mm -hmm. years later and now the friendship and connection that we have. That's a very unique thread of, you know, 25, 30 years, yeah, about 30 years of something like that. And I sometimes think about, you know, what is the uniqueness of me doing with that with someone that I don't do it with, with other people? Sometimes that's just a gift and that's just nugget of sometimes laying off of like, okay, some time is going to take place that there's not going to be a connection. And then trusting that transformation will take place either by myself or the other person and there might be a connection later on. It's funny because like, I feel like there's probably been seven or eight little threads in this that I'm like, ooh, I want to go deep on that. And one that you just said is space is so important in a relationship. I think about my relationship, my romantic relationship. I think about my relationship with friends and this like coming together and then going apart. And maybe there's a month or maybe it's a year where you're not super close, but then you come back together and it's like, whoa, this mm. got so much yummier, you know? Or you take the space and you realize it's not right, but we don't have that in work. Right. There's like, it's so sabbaticals are so rare. So maybe you go a week and a half without seeing or talking to somebody, but there's not that space. And I, now that I say that, I'm like, wow, that is so, so important for us to have that space, to, to take a breath, to say, where do I stand? And now let me reorient with that person. And think about you and Rainbow and what was the anniversary you just celebrated? 24. Yeah. 24 yeah. years. That's a lot of love, right? Yeah. A lot of stuff in there. 
and you all take two to three months every year where Rainbow goes to Denmark and you are, and you have some communication, but like every every year you have this reorientation and coming back together. Mm-hmm. That's probably a big reason you all have had a pretty good marriage for 24 years. And mm-hmm. in the context of a work relationship, that is really, really lacking. And you're just like stuck and you're interwoven. And the thing is when you're interwoven, so the hand signal I'm doing is like my two hands weaving together right now. And when one person starts to grow because you're still interwoven, the other person is like kind of yanking you back down. Like, whoa, 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 that's not how I know you. Where when you just like take the space for six months, you go and then you come back together and say, this is who I am. Right. Um, and so that's a like, a, how do we bring that into the workplace? How do we bring space, spaciousness into relationship? That would be a great podcast. <laughs> you know? I mean, Rainbow and I did one on time apart versus time together. Yeah. And that was a juicy one around yeah how to have some healthy, you know, the the gap creates a spark in relationship, right. you know, but I think that in the workplace, that's an interesting aspect too, yeah. you know, you know, how to come together and knowing that you're there with this team or set a group. And then when it's needed or it's a natural process to not have that, can you have some equanimity of splicing right back together in some, yeah. in some way? I even think about like, so it's a Sunday evening, you know, and I think about tomorrow morning, I'll be on my computer at nine and we have a team call. And at this present moment, I'm not excited for the team call. Like I, probably because I haven't gotten settled into my Sunday yet, but I have to do it, you know? And like if if a friend were to call tomorrow and I didn't want to chat, I wouldn't pick up the phone. It would be so okay. And I'd call back when it was time to call back or I'd get yeah. together when it was time to get together. And then I'd be choosing that. Here's what I would say though, to like, if I were listening to myself speak, anytime that we don't have a choice is an opportunity for growth. Anytime we feel trapped or stuck in that container is an opportunity to be like, cool, this is a given that I'm gonna be on that team call. How do I wanna be on that team call, you know? And so it's kind of coming full circle to the question at the very beginning is, in these places where I think I can only speak to my experience, I feel stuck in a work environment. I feel like I don't have the space to be my full self. I don't feel like I can communicate in the way I communicate with you as just a friend. There must be some opportunity for growth here. You know, I feel a little bit stuck. There must be something for me. I think that's like what so much growth comes from times where we don't have the ability to leave it. We have to stay in that container. I have to be on that team call tomorrow morning at nine. Who do I want to be when I'm on that call? Beautiful. Well, I'm excited to hear who you're going to be tomorrow when you're on that call. (laughs) You'll let me know, man. Depends on our mice situation and how well I sleep. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. And you gotta get back to to get to to all all your rituals to Yeah. You gotta get back to the rituals to make sure that you're putting all that juju around. Close to the witching hour. Maybe for a future podcast. There's a really funny like three to three minute to three hour story I could tell about our trials with some mountain mice. Mountain mice. (laughs) Yeah. But you're gonna bring yourself to it tonight. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, brother. It was it was good riffing on this one, and and hopefully you got a little bit. We plant some seeds for people just about how mm-hmm. to really be in your choice, or when you don't have choice around people in your work environment, how do you want to show up? I got one last seed, Prepo. It's that uh, I know you're concluding, and I'm in, impeding that conclusion. But um, that's all right, man. We're friends. We're not we're not on a work clock. <laughs> there is an opportunity each day in our workplaces, I'm speaking to myself here, to be simply aware of how we're reacting to those around us. And I find myself often blocking that awareness, you know, because there's something to get done. 
And so when I'm sitting with you downstairs, I'm consistently watching my reactions. How am I reacting to this? Where is my attention going? How is my awareness? But in a work environment, I often drop that because there's something to be done and I'm there to get that thing done. And so what I'm going to carry into tomorrow is an awareness at each moment. What am I feeling in my body right now? How is this transmuting? How is this shaping out? And in that, maybe it does change. Maybe I open and I soften a little bit because I gave myself the space to experience it fully, to experience that person and their humanness fully, instead of just thinking as thinking of their humanness as an impediment to an activity. That's great. Tomorrow's Monday for me. It's my day off. I don't have to do any, any of that shit. I would have just got to... <laughs> Soak it up. <laughs> yeah, baby. Cool. Thanks, brother. Thank you. All right. Relationships, Let's Talk About It is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting, PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on licensed counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit heartsharecounseling.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Relationships, Let's Talk About It, is produced by Oxbus. You can create your own professional podcast today, faster and easier. Try it for free at oxbus.com. That's A-U-X-B-U-S dot com. Oxbus. Oxbus.